Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And HBO just dropped what looks like possibly the best video game adaptation ever already, just one episode in. Uh, that's the new TV show, The Last of Us. And David and I watched some other stuff this week, and some of it was good, and some of it was really not. And we're going to talk about that as well. So it's going to be kind of a combo episode today. Uh, so stick around. Do it. All right, The Last of Us premiered. We are recording this um, about exactly 24 hours after The Last of Us premiered on HBO and HBO Max. Uh, Sunday night, we're recording this on a Monday night. Now, uh, just a little background information before we get in. The the show is based on a very, very popular, one of the most popular video games of the last 20 years, uh, The Last of Us, a Naughty Dog game. The the gaming company that, if you're in any way familiar with video games, also makes the series Uncharted um, as well. Uh, and it's one of the most well-regarded story first-person games ever made. Um, hmm. In terms of just storytelling, it's, it's really a prime candidate to be lifted um, to, you know, TV or or film. I think TV is probably the better, the better yeah. option because it takes place over such a long span of time. This the story um, is kind of expansive, and so you need more time to to spend with the characters. David, there is a history of video game adaptations whether they be TV or movie going poorly. Um, and, and I know you played a little bit of this game, but weren't really familiar. What were your, what were you thinking about going into this first episode last night? I think what you just mentioned, part of me was a little skeptical, but then, you know, it, it kind of got me thinking and like, okay, HBO's making this, what, you know, TV shows, what are HBO originals have been made that like, they they've put money into they've put time into and I was like okay Game of Thrones, Westworld, Euphoria, House of the Dragon so I was like okay, based on what we've seen from HBO this is probably gonna be pretty good that that's honestly what I was thinking because like the the TV shows that they that we know they've put money in they know there's been um, a lot of like you know talk about it and excitement kind of swelling up mm-hmm. they've delivered really for the most part I know Westworld go, went for. Uh, five seasons maybe and they kind of canceled abruptly i don't think that necessarily was going well as the others but man euphoria and game of thrones specifically two of the you know most praised tv shows uh euphoria is still kind of going right now and then house of the dragon of course was season one went very well so i kind of trust them i i trust what what they're able to do um because you know with what they've done with tv shows in the past also kind of what we're going to get into just the people involved with this and their connection to the game, but also the showrunner involved uh, and, and what else he has done, you know, uh, to be one of the, probably the, one of the top, you know, TV shows ever made um, by a lot of them. So yeah, I I feel pretty good about it. And uh, especially after seeing this first episode, I think that helped kind of solidify those feelings, kind of seeing it and actually uh, starting the show. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Pedro Pascal is very good at what he does. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm buckled in. So, for people that probably don't pay a lot of attention to stuff, um, in terms of what what gets made, what what IP gets translated, 
video games have been seen as kind of fool's gold in, in a lot of respects. They're they're a massive and only growing market, right, to, to reach people. You think of the ubiquity of IP such as Fortnite, um, Call of Duty, right? The, these are monstrous um, pieces of entertainment that attract yeah. millions of people daily and are interactive, right? So yeah. their fans get very attached to them, not only because you're not just watching something where I'm not, obviously, I, I love to just watch things, right? Uh, the just there is not, you know, trying to determine the quality of an experience, but mm-hmm. you're interacting with w- what's happening when you're playing video games. But for a while, it was clear Hollywood didn't understand them. Uh, you go back to the Mortal Kombat movie originally from the 90s is fine. It's cheesy. It's a little ridiculous. The story does not translate well to a movie. Uh, It wasn't great. And you think the most popular video game adaptation series is probably the Resident Evil series in terms of movies, which after the first movie kind of abandoned all semblance of any, any storytelling from the video games in favor of just Emilia Jovovich action film, which is fine, I guess. Uh, you think about the 90s Super Mario Brothers movie, which is widely hmm. considered one of the worst movies like ever made, not just video game movies. So so this has been yeah. kind of, you know, fool's gold, not a gold mine, as you would think, where so many people are attached to this, right? It's, yeah. It's, in, you know, if you think about it, what I would I would argue right now in the world, in in popular culture, video games have surpassed books is like the second, you know, people love to watch TV still and they will always love to watch TV and movies and streaming and stuff. But you're not thinking about like, oh, what's this new book everybody's talking about? It's video games. That's way mm-hmm. more in the culture, but they haven't yeah. translated. However, the last couple of years, they have. Uh, a show based on League of Legends called Arcane was considered one of the best Netflix um, it's technically not a Netflix original because they don't produce it, but one of the best shows to drop on Netflix in a while, won a bunch of awards. Um, Cyberpunk Edgerunners is the same sort of way. It's based on a video game that actually isn't that well-received, quite honestly, um, but was getting a lot of attention. And then this. Um, hmm. And I think what David said before was very important and something I would agree with. The floor with HBO just seems higher than every other original platform, hmm. right? You hear Amazon's making a Lord of the Rings show. Yeah, it's Amazon. Like, I don't know. Amazon could make something that really sucks. You know, Netflix the same way. Netflix has made some terrible, terrible original shows based off of existing IP. Um, and milk some for money, as in this. Has anybody watched the Witcher spinoff series? Anyone? That just came out with Michelle Yeoh in it? Anybody seen an episode? No? Exactly. No. Um. But but HBO, right? You have what you listed, Game of Thrones, Euphoria, but you can also go back. You have The Wire, you have Sopranos, you have oh, yeah. True Detective, I, yeah. you have Succession, you have a show we're going to talk about more, Chernobyl, right? Watchmen, all of these Band shows. of Brothers? Is that, that's on HBO, isn't it? Band of Brothers, right. These Ooh. limited series. We know that HBO is going to put the money in. Whenever they yeah. invest in something, they don't make as, as much new content, it seems. But whenever they do invest in something, it seems like they're going to spend the money. So yeah. I, I, I was very excited. Um, not even really that nervous going into the first episode. I thought the cast, uh, for what I could tell, it was well cast. Um, I, I, full disclosure, the the first The Last of Us video game. There's two of them, part one and part mm-hmm. two. Last of Us Part One is 
probably my third or second favorite video game ever. Mm. Um, I played it all the way through three times. What's first? Um, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare? No. Uh, (laughs) It's probably probably Uncharted 4, Mm. quite honestly. I really, Mm. really... Which, another, right... A, a recent movie we got with two big stars, Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland, Uncharted. That movie yeah. sucked. Yeah. It was terrible. And it was miscast, right? Yeah. They, they just didn't understand the source material. And it seems like HBO is. David, let's talk about why, what you hinted at earlier. So I haven't seen Chernobyl, but the showrunner for Chernobyl is involved. You have seen Chernobyl, if I mm-hmm. understand correctly. I'm pretty sure you have. Talk about how how that made you excited for The Last of Us, knowing that the showrunner for chernobyl was involved man i i honestly so i watched it just from a you know a friend suggested i should said it's one of the you know highest quality tv shows that's been made um really really good and you know so i went ahead and bit the bullet it's a it's a mini series right so it's not too time taxing something that you can watch somewhat quickly and man it was just it was very very good um obviously pretty dark just with the whole story of, of what happens. But I mean, I thought it was very informal, but also they did such a good t- job of just keeping my attention. And I was entertained throughout it. The tone of it was very good. The, the color, the visuals, um, very good. Um, I thought they, they found a really good balance between like, this is what happens, but also like, this is a like a fantasy TV show and I'm entertained and I'm can't wait to watch the next episode. You know, it wasn't just a documentary piece. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I, this is one of those, like you, you know, you watch a lot of like TV shows and like band of brothers is one of them and not cause I think band of brothers was just as good, if not better, but like some TV shows you're like, I, I've watched it and I, pr- I don't want to watch that again, you know, but honestly with Chernobyl, I kind of want to rewatch it. Like I enjoyed it that mm-hmm. much and, I kind of want to revisit that. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm I'm glad I ended up watching it. Kind of helped me understand what to expect maybe for this TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to add that to the list. Um, so the showrunner for Chernobyl uh, is involved in this, and the other lead is the director for the video game, um, which a lot of people may not know. Video games have directors, like movies and TV shows, um, and so the director is. You know, it's the same as a, as a movie director, limited series. He's in charge of every aspect. He or she is in charge of every aspect of the game. Um, so I think that's important. It's a person that really understands the source material and cares about it. Because as I've already mentioned kind of briefly, The Witcher um, is a show on Netflix that was getting a lot of praise uh, for its first and second season. And its lead actor is leaving after the third season because the writers don't care for the source material. Um, and he has said that that's a big problem for him. Yep. I, I just, just too bad, man. Should, that's just frustrating. You know, I just don't think you should ever work on something. If you hate the source material, like if, if I, I don't know, if I hated the hunger games, I wouldn't sign up to write for that. You know, like it yeah. just doesn't make any sense. Um, even if there are problems with the source material, if you hate it, I don't get that. Um, I, I haven't even explained what the last of us is though. So let me, let me give a brief overview of the story yeah. without, kind of spoiling it. So The Last of Us is a post-apocalyptic tale, which, you know, five years ago, um, maybe 10 years ago, seemed like way too common, right? It seemed like every story we were getting was post-apocalyptic. I think that's died down a little bit now, but The Last of Us is one of those that that, that just, it does it in a unique way. Um, Mm -hmm. So the story is about, which you see this in the opening scene of the first episode, 
is about not a viral infection or, or a bacterial infection or this kind of classic zombie apocalypse story, um, but it's a fungal infection. So cordyceps, which is a fungus that already infects insects in a way where it inhabits the insect's body um, while infecting the brain, keeps the insect's body alive with the sole purpose of spreading to other in the species. The Last of Us takes place in a world where that fungi has mutated to people. Mm. Um, so the zombies are not zombies. They're called clickers. Um, and you can get infected by the same way, by getting bitten, but different parts of your body, infection is different. Um, mm. And the story revolves around Joel, a smuggler, and Ellie, um, a girl he is tasked with smuggling uh, out of this kind of fascist dictatorial military zone um, to a group of, you know, radical revolutionists uh, for reasons we don't really know at the beginning, right? Yeah. But, but we know he's supposed to do that. There's a hint that seems like maybe she's immune to this fungal infection. Um, mm. So that that's that's the show it, it it's not about the infection though which i think is the most interesting um david what do you have any favorite post-apocalyptic stories like do you have one that you think of where you're like this is it this is this is the one that i really cling to i think of course when you when when we think of that i think the first thing that comes to mind is like zombies i feel like that's always mm -hmm. like a post-apocalyptic setting of like but obviously, like with this, a fungal infection or a virus can be can cause that. I think, right, because of that, big things that come to mind is uh, like World War Z. Well, I guess that's not even really post. That's that's kind of in the midst, isn't it? Yeah, but I think it counts, right? It's the collapse of society. and mm -hmm. I Am Legend you know, and is another one. What's uh, mm -hmm. uh, 28 Days Later with Killian Murphy? Um, mm -hmm. That That's an, one of them. Actually, maybe even more originals of this century of like the start of these post-apocalyptic apocalyptic zombie movies. Um, I'm even like blanking on what, what's a post, you know, movie not involving zombies. I'm trying to even think. Uh, Planet of the Apes, I think is maybe the most famous. Okay. Um, that's a yeah. viral example, right? Cause it's, it's a yeah. virus that spreads uh, this simian flu, I believe. Um, and then you have like, you could technically count like the hunger games and. Um, okay. You know, all those teen ones, Maze Runner, Divergent, the those <laughs> stories that, um, you know, are, are teen-centric, but okay. are, are set after the collapse of normal U.S. society and Western society as a whole. But I think that the thing that The Last of Us does really well, and the thing that those stories that you mentioned do really well, is that the enemy in those stories, the, the main antagonist is not the monsters or zombies or whatever. It's the people right? It's the people mm. in the world. And that's what yeah. The Last of Us is about. The The clickers are terrifying. Like genuinely some of the most terrifying moments ever I've ever had playing a video game where like when you're in a dark room, which happens frequently and you have to find <laughs> a flashlight and you hear a click, you just hear the clicking sound and you turn and you have no idea where if you, as soon as like they sense you, they'll come after you and they're super wow. fast or deadly. But what the worst enemies and that are the people because as we've seen in in just real life whenever things go wrong oftentimes the people that survive are the worst kinds 
mm. um, because they're the ones who are willing to do whatever it yeah. takes to survive. Yeah. And that's really the enemy in The Last of Us. This is a story about not dealing with this, just dealing with this infection, but dealing with the people who have survived this world, the kind mm. of people who have, you know, killed innocent people, stolen, um, controlled people, you know, have done just unspeakable things. And so it's really a journey. It, it's a lot like Cormac McCarthy's The Road. It's just about a small group of people trying to survive any way that they can and trying to deal with all the horrible things that they encounter. But what, what does it for me the most, and I got this through playing the story, is at the beginning, you kind of hate Ellie. You're, mm. in, in the video game, you're playing from the perspective of Joel, her protector. And Ellie is rash. Ellie is annoying. Um, Ellie is loud. Ellie doesn't listen. You know, Ellie is a kid, right? Yeah. She's, she's 12. But through the end, you die for that kid. You know, mm. this this is just, it's a it's the time-honored trope of like, you know, forced to be a parent who doesn't want to be reluctant to take in the child. Mm. And it and and in the end, you're you know, the two bond. And obviously but she's still your child. Can, yeah. Yeah, people can see that's where it's going, but I think that's gonna be really impactful. And I'm really looking forward to the way that Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey portray that. David, give me your spoiler-free review of the first episode, which was nearly an hour and a half. It was pretty much a movie, essentially. Yeah, I was surprised. I was like, oh, let's see how long this is. Oh, you know, hour and 28. Okay. Um, I really liked it. I honestly really specifically liked the first 10 minutes. I thought they set it up very well. Because um, you don't want to overly explain this and bore your audience or give you know unneeded info about this infection but also you know you want to say a little bit about it so people are like okay what's going on you know and i thought they explained that well in that kind of like q a um you know with with a uh you know late night host it seemed with two scientists and uh you know you could tell kind of at the beginning like they weren't taking him serious when he brings up fungi and ants you know going crazy but like as he talks about it everyone's just like demeanor just lowers and it, it you can mm -hmm. tell like this is terrifying if this were to happen. And, uh, you know, if, you know, if you know the game, if you finish the episode, obviously you realize, well, this did happen. And, uh, I thought that was a really good setup. And, uh, yeah, I liked, I really liked the first episode. Uh, of course I love Pedro Pascal. He's, uh, good in, in a lot of things. Um, and you know, we, we, we don't know Bella Ramsey from much. She, she made an appearance in game of Thrones, um couple episodes maybe maybe not even that much but uh yeah, yeah she, from the first episode she seems like she's gonna be fun and funny and stubborn and uh you know she's gonna end up growing very close to pedro not pedro joel technically joel and uh that's just gonna be a fun duo to watch as they kind of travel uh mm -hmm. you know to, to where she needs to be so i'm excited mm -hmm. this is a rare case um where i think that the first episode just did a much better job of explaining what was happening than the video game did. Um, mm. At the beginning of this video game, you're kind of just dropped in to a flashback sequence of Joel's life before the apocalypse. Uh, it's real short. You don't really understand what's going on. And then you fast forward to him in, in Boston. Um, 
living, you know, after obviously the, the end of the world as everybody knew it happened. Um, and then it picks up from there and you miss a lot of small details. This first episode, first you have the explanation of the, the infection, which I think was like exactly what you said. It's just as the scientists kept talking about the fungal infection, you could hear the just room get quieter and quieter and yeah. the look of concern spread on everybody's yeah. face. Almost freaked me out a little bit because the explanation, while I know is probably not actually scientifically realistic, was presented in such a realistic manner where I was like, frick, is this going to happen to us? Yeah. Like, it's kind of terrifying. Because they tied it in with like, well, a fungus right now can't survive in a uh, human body because it can't survive anywhere above 94 degrees. And then he was just like, but what if the world started to warm? And you're like, uh, <laughs> shut up. I don't like this. Um, yeah. But they also gave you more explanation of Joel's motivations, why he is the way he is at the beginning, why he's become mm. this kind of broken man who who still has the seeds of a good man in him, but you can see has just been beaten down by the years. And you, and you don't really yeah. fully understand what happens to him before. I mean, you get the gist, right? But you, you don't understand, but I... Man, I, I can already tell this episode, this show, I mean, is going to be so good at getting you attached to characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just instantly, like, Ellie, like, within three minutes, you're like, all right, yeah. And, and Joel is the same way. Like, you just, mm-hmm. you you are instantly, like, magnetized by, by them and by who they are. Um, so, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed this first episode. Um, I don't want to spoil a whole lot. There's some... There's a couple of things that happen that are very crucial to the story that are really early spoilers, um, you know, but I, I think people should experience those if they don't already know what's happening and haven't played the game. Yeah. David, if you're going to try to pitch someone to watch this, a person who maybe isn't even normally interested in these kind of stories, um, but doesn't know if they want to carve out an hour to an hour and a half every Sunday night to watch this show, what would you say to them? It's... It's one of those shows I feel like that all of us kind of enjoy this type of show or type of story of like this post-apocalyptic like going on an adventure across the country, you know, fighting to survive. Like it's it, it is a very specific like type of, you know, genre, I guess, but I feel like it's one that a majority enjoy. Like, you know, Walking Dead and it's like a lot of these different things where it's kind of blown up and a lot of people have enjoyed um that type of show and yeah it's you're following the life of of this dude and uh it's i mean it's thrilling i it's just been one episode though i would imagine there's going to be some pretty intense parts but it's it's thrilling but i wouldn't say it's like terrifying um it it's not over the top i would say in any area but it is kind of maybe violent it's and it'll probably get pretty intense in that uh category but that doesn't bother you. Like it, it, it's really an interesting story that I feel like just, just about anybody would, would enjoy. And especially the, the one who's leading that, right. If a lot of people know this actor, this Pedro Pascal has done a lot, uh, and mm-hmm. he's done a wide spectrum of, of things, you know, the Mandalorian, he's done game of Thrones. He's in wonder woman, uh, and Kingsman. So yeah, I think this is, even if you're like spect skeptical sorry i can't say that word apparently uh (laughs) give it a try and um yeah i i really enjoyed it it is intense though so if you know intensity or you know intense shows or movies aren't your thing 
Yeah, too. yeah. So if that's not your thing, maybe, maybe not. But I don't know. You could, I don't know. Try it, and you'll find out. Quit being a wimp. Um, no, uh, I would say if you like, if you like this kind of stuff, if you like, uh, you know, two people, three people alone at the end of the world, um, just trying to survive. You're already in, right? You don't need me to pitch this to you. If you're yeah. not one of those people, if you're not even a person that normally, ch- you have HBO Max, let's say, but you're not normally watching their TV shows. You're just looking at movies. Um, I would say, first of all, you know the pedigree, right? Even if you don't, we've already talked about it. Even if you don't watch regularly HBO shows, you've heard of The Sopranos, The Wire, Succession, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, right? You, True Detective, you know about the high, high floor, I would say. They are high ceiling, high floor shows. It's rare, yeah. but HBO yeah. shows have a high floor. Even the bad ones, you're like, that's good, right? Yeah. And the second do you like stories about people? Everybody loves people. Mm. Everybody loves stories about people. There's something you can identify with in, in Joel and Ellie, uh, no matter what age you are, no matter what you do for a living, no matter what your beliefs are. Um, there's something so ubiquitous about um, kind of the struggle that they go through and, and that you can relate to. And they're, they're, it's, it's a show where I think we idolize um, in a lot of ways, these anti-heroes and they've Mm. kind of become the popular, like we love to watch shows about people we know are bad, but we want to root for them anyway. Peaky Blinders, Breaking Bad, you know, Mad Men even shows where we like the guy because he's cool. Joel Mm. has a little bit of that, but it's also, you know, he grows more. I, I, a lot of those shows go the other direction um, in terms of the character just becomes more closed off, more isolated, um, kind of more emotionally stunted. Th- this one does the opposite um, in many ways. And also, it's another one of those shows you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, you, you, never, you never know what's going to happen episode to episode. And it's one that they really care about setting up the world that they're into. I think a lot of people will see shows like The Walking Dead that will stretch out for years and years with really no no arc, just seemingly roaming the landscape, trying to figure out the next big villain, the next big bad. The show is not going to be that, right? They know where they're going to end it already that they've started. And, and the last thing, it's an event, right? We've already seen people already talking about this. This is like, it's going to be the spring house of the dragon, okay? It's it's going to be hurt a little bit because the NFL playoffs are going on right now and Sunday nights, you know, until the the third week in February are going to be a little bit crowded for people. So the first half of the first season, people may watch it late on a Monday. But when, when football is done, it's going to be it. That's what people mm-hmm. are going to be paying attention to. And if you care at all about, you know, talking about what your friends are probably talking about, you got to watch it. Yeah. Um, I mean, so- hey, the genre on IMDb says action, adventure, drama. What's not to like about that? I, I genuinely believe if you're not an action person, it's got something for you in the in the character dynamics. If you're not a if you're not an apocalyptic person, it's you know, it's just a story about survival that could easily be set before the fall of society, right? Like yeah. if you're if you're not a big drama person, I promise you there's gonna be some really cool action set pieces in this. Yeah. Um just based off of the way the game plays. So I, I really do think it has something for everyone. Um and I think that in a 
case of a lot of HBO shows, the the bar to entry is kind of high. You kind of have to be willing to accept some stuff. And there's going to be some some difficult stuff in this show. But I think the bar to entry is lower. I don't I don't think you have to be as invested, right? Game of Thrones for mm-hmm. a lot of people is a chore. You got to learn a bunch of names. You got to learn a bunch of places. You got to learn yeah. who is allied to what. And this, you just got to know that Joel and Ellie are all that matters and everybody else is yeah. probably getting in the way. So yeah, I, yeah, I watch it. Really watch it. Send it. Send, Send it. it. All right. We're going to do something we haven't done in a while and let's take a break mid podcast um, because we got to, completely transition to our next topic so Mm. we'll be back right after this beautiful beautiful dulcet music all right david it's time for us to talk about what we loved and what we hated in the past seven days the best and worst watches of our week uh, I was going to extend this to the month of January, but I think it's more fun to just do a week. Um, yeah. So, you, Davey, you want to start with best or worst? How are you feeling? You want to end on a good note or on a bad one? Let's start with the low bar. Yeah, okay. Uh, David, what's the worst thing that you saw in the past seven days? What's the worst movie, I guess I should say? We're, we're doing movies. Yeah, yeah. worst uh, first watch, yeah. Um, it's a show called Daddy's Home. Um, yeah, it's directed by Sean Anders. That's not really important because I don't know if we know exactly who that even is. Starring Will Ferrell, (laughs) Mark Wahlberg. Let's see. I don't even know. I guess John Cena does make an appearance technically in this movie. Um, (laughs) You can see him? Can you see him in this movie? Yeah, I can. Oh, Kobe Bryant's in this, but not... It's like... Uh Yeah, it's like they're at a game and you... they you like see him and they like talk to the yeah it, it's i was like oh dang that's crazy they're like talking about him too you know and you're like wow but um <clears throat> it's i mean i'm sure people have heard of this daddy's home so will ferrell is married um to linda let's say cardellini i'm gonna say is her name that sounds right linda cardellini uh her character you sarah like you don't know who linda cardellini is what are you doing? Well, I, well, for a second, I didn't know how to say her last name. I like glitched. I was like, oh no. Um, Will Ferrell is married to Linda, so it's it's Brad Whitaker married to Sarah Whitaker, and Mark Wahlberg is the ex-husband, Dusty. Uh, that's his first name. And uh, yeah, Will's very reserved, very like mature. Um, maybe I guess you could say more feminine, and like he he takes care of the kids. He, he He's sensitive, right? He loves him well, and his wife Sarah is also obviously very thankful for that. Well, however, uh, Dusty, you know, calls and, and makes an appearance and said he's going to be stopping by, and um, he's very like hard headed and comes in on the motorcycle. He's tough. And... He's tough biker guy. Yeah, he's tough yeah, biker guy tough, versus yeah. nice, clean, polished sweater vest accountant. So essentially, it just turns into who can one up the other, and, and who is the better dad, who's the real dad, all this stuff, and um, and you know, it's all you need to know is it's a Mark Wahlberg movie that's made after two thousand ten. Um, <laughs> honestly, I have I have I have serious beef with Mark Wahlberg. I'm actually kind of upset. Like his first like ten movies, like a handful of them were like these are high quality film. Like Mark's a good actor. 
The Departed, Boogie Nights, The Fighter. Like these are good. These are good movies. And then he blows up, makes a lot of money, and now he just takes any role that he can, which is kind of frustrating. But uh, yeah, it was it was just cringe, and I I I realized my beef with comedies. So I think, well, essentially, I take them too seriously. Right, I, I don't insert myself in the movies enough to where like if like the husband doesn't have a spine or the wife makes a decision where I'm like, she would never make that decision. You know what I mean? I take it too seriously and I get upset. I'm like, she would never mm-hmm. do that. That's such a dumb decision, you know? And, uh, and, yeah. and that's I realize that's on me. I do realize this is still not a good movie, but I do realize it's like... I still take this too seriously. You're and scrutinizing I'm like, too much. You're watching. Yeah. You're watching it with the same brain that you watch a Christopher Nolan movie, which is yeah. Is not I'm like the way you can look at a comedy. I'm like, will just grow some gall and do something about <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Even though it's it's for the sake of the movie. So yeah, Daddy's Home. There's a second one. I have really no desire to watch the second one. I don't know what it would even be about. Um, that's as or more entertaining than what I just saw, which the bar is low. So I guess you never know. But yeah, daddy's home. And, uh, I, I don't know why I keep saying it. I'm just uncomfortable saying the title even, but, um, yeah, this isn't will or Mark Mark's best, uh, movie that they've made. So what don't is, worry about watching it. You're not a big Will Ferrell guy. What is Will's best for you? What is it? I'm curious. I think, I, we just watched Anchorman recently, and that was pretty good. That was actually pretty good. I would say the other two in the camp are probably the other guys and Step Brothers. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, no, take out Step Brothers. Talladega Nights was actually really funny to me. There you go. There you go. I, yeah, I, I know Step Brothers is really popular. I I thought it was kind of funny, but I just Talladega Nights is better to me too. But, I, I, yeah, I Talladega Nights. I scrolled down and saw that movie. I was like, that's actually a really funny movie. So honestly, Talladega Nights and Anchorman, I think are his two top ones in my opinion. And everything else I've seen, it's been like, eh, okay. All right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm, semi-pro, I'm a, but yeah, I didn't like semi-pro. I'm just not a Will Ferrell guy. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I yeah. get a lot of people are. Um, so there's that. Yeah. I, I've never, I've seen part of this movie, I think, on cable before. Um, <laughs> had no desire to actually watch it. That's enough uh, for you. And I knew exactly what was going to happen. I, however, I do want to talk about Daddy's Home too, um, because we just got to pay attention to that. First of all, you have know, you seen the second one? No, no, but I know what it's about. I, I know the plot. Um, and the plot, David, is that their their grandfather into the picture now, so their dads come back and they're played by uh john lithgow is will ferrell's father and mel oh, gibson no. is mark Wahlberg's father oh my and you gosh. think are they gonna do the exact same story again but just have the same caricatures now be older yes yes john lithgow is exactly like will ferrell in the way that he acts and mel gibson is exactly like mark Wahlberg in the way that he acts are you they serious just, they just run it back with an anti-Semite and, and John Lithgow who deserves better. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're probably good. I think you, I think you don't really have to see that to know what's going on in the, in the DHCU, the daddy's home cinematic universe. Um, <laughs> oh, no. I think you're probably clear on that. Um, Although, and I, I, I am Cardellini, impressed. You, you deserve better. Um, yeah. Make better yeah. stuff. 
Linda. I am on. impressed that Daddy's Home 2 managed to get the exact same score as the first one. That ass you is yeah, impressive. Well, that's be- is it or is it just the same movie? So, duh. That's true. People are like, wait, which one is this? I don't even know if I'm watching the first or second one. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I had that happen with me. This was almost uh, my worst movie, but save for an especially terrible one. I watched the movie Blended last night because I was like, I've been seeing a lot of Drew Barrymore TikToks lately. Uh, mm. So I'll just watch a Drew Barrymore movie. And that was the first one that popped up when I typed in her name um, to HBO Max. Uh, so I just watched it. Um, so that was your- just go with it are the exact same movie. I, you can't convince me they're different. Just go with it is the one where Adam Sandler goes with Jennifer Aniston and her family to Hawaii. Um, and this one, uh, Adam I thought Sandler that was blended family. Is no, that not blended? Yeah. <laughs> no, blended is the one where him and Drew Barrymore go to South Africa. They're the same. It, oh, that's right. Plots. It's yeah. Oh. It's so it's Adam Sandler is really just he might as well instead of being a movie star, he might as well just own like a travel agency because that's that's all he's doing at this point. Yeah, I mean, wait, and did it, you see the jokes were entirely unfunny? Drew Barrymore was fine, so I gave it like two stars, but everything about it was just. Did I see correctly that he might be nominated for like an Oscar in his in his role for Hustle, like in uh, Best Actor or or it wouldn't be supporting. Really? No, it'd have to be Best. I'm I don't think so. I mean, he did get he, well. He almost got nominated for Uncut Gems and didn't, uh, which is yeah. stupid. Um, because he's actually genuinely very good. Sandler can act. That's the thing. You. I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to care about your movies because I know you're not trying and caring when you make them, which is fine, you know, but oh, yeah. Ruby Halloween and all the Grown Ups movies and Blended and just go with it. And yeah, what's the Ridiculous Six? Is that mm-hmm. the stupid yeah. Western one that's one yep. of the least funny movies I've ever seen in my life? It's a mimic yeah. of Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just I know you don't care, so I'm not gonna care. Well, yeah, because we've seen like Punch Drunk Love and Fifty First Dates, and you're like, he's actually really good. Like, in, yeah, in he's those, good. You in, know, and Billy Madison's funny, and Happy Gilmore yeah. is funny, and yeah, yeah, he's just he's not trying. It's fine. So um, Nathan, if if Blended wasn't your worst watch, then what was? So I made what? I made a terrible mistake. How can the bar get any lower than that? <laughs> um, it can get much lower, and and the way it can get lower is if you have the guy that made the movie cranked which i didn't really like um and then the guy that uh also helped make crank and helped that same guy make um the ghostwriter 2 uh then then you get oh a movie called gamer starring gerard butler um oh. i i didn't so so i was in the mood for a dumb action movie uh, I just wanted one. And Gerard Butler is the 21st century king of that. Um, he's got a movie out right now. Um, they titled it wonderfully. They titled it Plane. Um, uh, it takes place on a submarine, actually. Um, yeah, no, it's obviously. Oh, I was like, really? It's obviously Gerard Butler. He's a pilot. They, um, I think they get crashed, land in some tropical island that has obviously been taken over by a gang of like murderous um a murderous cartel or something and then he has to fight to free the passengers you know fine it's fine it's it's a movie liam neeson would have made 12 years ago it's okay i'm fine with it yeah oh this one i was like oh gamer it's probably just like gerard butler but like 
he's a video game character that realizes he's a real person and tries to break out. Yeah, it's kind of that, but it's way dumber, guys. Um, so this movie is trying to be a commentary on how people interact online um, and view video games. And, and if you're a person who likes the commentary to be subtle and maybe above a third grade level, um, Ooh, this okay. is not for me. I'm sorry. Mm. So every person that plays a video game in this movie is disgusting, a disgusting pervert. Many of them are obscenely overweight, um, so much so that they just eat waffles uh, with their bare hands, dipping them in syrup while playing the video game. Um, these, these obscenely overweight people also pretend to be young, attractive women, normally men. Um, and Gerard Butler in this movie, uh, there's a the multimillionaire, um, Ken Castle, uh, who has set up two iconic kind of world-altering video games, similar to Ready Player One, um, except in that you pay to control real people. They explain it by you inject some cell, genetically altered cells into the person's brain, and it makes them respond to a controller's commands. So first game is called Society. Real good Ooh, name. Can you tell nice. the kind of commentary that this movie is making? Yeah. Society. Yeah. This is how people would interact if there were no rules. And it's like almost like Grand Theft Auto without the violence and that you can just walk around and do whatever you want, but you're controlling real people. Um, so this is an excuse for the movie to then have sex scenes. And the other, the other game is called Slayers, where you can control death row inmates who fight in a team deathmatch style game um, <laughs> in real life using real worlds, obviously killing each other. Um, and if they win 30 in a row, they get free. And guess what? Gerard Butler's cable at the beginning of the movie has won 27 matches in a row. Ooh, so is he going to get okay. to his 30th or is something going to go wrong? Um, so that's fine. Again, this movie is dumb and the commentary is dumb and it's dumb. But you're like, okay, I'll get some good action. No, you won't. Because they decided to edit this like crap. It does this weird like glitch thing where it's like buffering in the internet, and then you like the sound is distorted, and you shoot to another part, and you know the the you never can actually see what's happening in front of you because it's all close ups or extreme wide shots. There's there's no medium shot. <laughs> is there a tracking shot that we've done in every movie since 1919? No, we don't do those really. Um, oh, look, a snowplow. Like, it's just one of hmm. the dumbest. I just, the whole time I was watching it, I just was actively in pain. Like, I hated it. David, I had to pause it and do something else for 20 minutes and come back. Because my brain, I have to finish the movie that I start. Mm -hmm. Unless it's like, you know, I don't know, Cannibal Holocaust or something. I'm going to finish it. But I was yeah. so mad at how dumb and how unfun it was that I had to take a break. Let me let me list you some of the cast members. So Gerard Butler's in this movie. The guy who plays Dexter in, in Dexter is also in this movie. <laughs> Logan Lerman is, is here. Um, John Leguizamo it, it appears in the movie for four minutes for some reason. Terry Crews is willing to get anything. Terry Crews is also in Blended. Just the man is looking for a paycheck. Uh, and speaking of men looking for a paycheck, the leader of the resistance, you know, the person resisting, resisting no. the over-the-top, you know, ridiculous 
um, billionaire villain who's seeking to control the world um, through video games, ludicrous, right? Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. I knew you saw the name on the cast list and knew immediately yep. who I was going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. ludicrous. Um, oh, guys, it's so bad. And it, it's, it get, it's like in the top five on Netflix. Because of course it is. But it's, 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 it's terrible. I gave it a half star. It's, it's awful. It's on three you, uh, streaming yeah, services it's... right now. Um, that's because people... it's so cheap. <laughs> there is a time where people paid to watch this movie um also if you're wondering cable is spelled with a k um because uh that's cooler apparently hey this 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 movie had a 50 million dollar budget and it made 40 million dollars worldwide which is actually impressive i think for how you're explaining this movie yeah um if you i I didn't look at who the directors were. I should have, and I never would have watched it. Crank just, I don't like that kind of movie. Um, other people like Crank. Um, I don't. It's a Jason Statham movie where if he doesn't like do something ridiculous to keep his heart rate above a certain level, he'll die. Um, I, I just don't care for that kind of, like I like dumb action movies, but those feel just gross to me. Yeah. This one felt, like I had to take a shower after I watched this. It was. It's just. Wow. Don't watch it, please. I'm begging you. Do not. Do not see this film. Also, probably don't go watch Gerard Butler's new movie either. Go watch Megan instead. Don't. Don't I'm, pay money to watch a movie called Plane. Come on. I'm pretty sure I saw Plane on a restaurant the other day, like on TV, just in the restaurant. I was like, "There's no way," but it was like Gerard Butler and. They had just crashed. Well, he's I'm made like, like a he's made like eleven of these movies. Are you? That's <laughs> true. It could be it. The call's coming from inside the house. It could be any one of these. I don't. Oh, well, that's that's fair. Yeah. Like I yeah. have no idea. This but, man was in Phantom of the Opera at one point. That's like his best movie, and it just went downhill from there. Hey, Den of Thieves is good. Don't disrespect Den of Thieves. Also, okay, he's the no. dad in the How to Train Your Dragon series. Oh, that is true. So there's that, but yeah, um, there, yeah, you avoid. You, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to judge, but this movie is a two point four, and you still just, you still went for it, huh? Half, half, half star. Well, I didn't look it up before. Come on. Oh, okay. But yeah, half, half star. Uh, half may have been too high. Below half. Zero. There is, there's not an option on Letterbox because if you, if you. Rate it no stars. It just shows that you didn't rate it. So this is mm. as low as I could go, guys. I tried. Um, hey, uh, thank you for your service. I will not be watching this, so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're very welcome. Never going to get that hour and a half back. <laughs> <laughs> just go watch, like, Social Network or Zodiac or something to, to get it back. I don't know why those two movies came. I think to that's mind, just. But... I think that's just me. That just equates to me wasting more of my life. I don't have any. I live in Cape Girardeau. What am I going to go do? Uh, <laughs> David, talk about the best movie you saw this <laughs> this past week. Best first watch, I should say, because David yeah. watched Interstellar. Everybody and he, of course, cried again and was once again in love with, fell in love with cinema. So it's not everyone. That he's going to talk about something all, else. All four of us technically cried. So that it's not just me. That is a uh, technical cry. I don't know, actually. I really don't. <laughs> My best first watch of the week was 12 Angry Men, released in this 1957. so good. Directed by Sidney Lumet, 
and uh yeah fire um honestly i could name these actors but none of you will probably know them but honestly a couple very popular and very famous actors for their time for sure um yeah it's it's a really simple movie it's a shorter movie it's 97 minutes but uh it starts in the courtroom it's a courtroom movie um kind of for the most part and uh it it follows these 12 uh jurors who go into this room and for the entire movie um try to reach a verdict on this 18 year old who has been accused of killing his father and uh Literally, that's probably the you know the first six minutes maybe are in the courtroom, and the other eighty nine, uh, eighty eight move- minutes are this them in this room, um, debating it. And you know you're hearing me say this, and you're probably like that, David. That sound oh, it's in black and white too. And you know you're probably hearing this, and you're like, David, I'd rather watch paint dry than that. Just sounds so incredibly boring. But dude, this I, I, I did, family. If you say that, I need to see who who wrote the script because I was just engaged this entire movie um just such good dialogue and i never found myself bored or dazing in this movie and uh it was it was very very good um writer reginald rose so originally i'm just sorry to cut in just a little yeah 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 was written originally as like a tv play almost and that's how it was first broadcast so reginald rose wrote it and then sydney lumet adapted that to make a feature-length movie um so yeah it it was it was originally written as a play which is why it takes place in such close quarters right plays normally you can't have elaborate action sequences or set designs or stuff because it's normally all contained in a few rooms which is why this movie is but yeah Yeah. sorry go ahead but no i mean it was it was really good i um there's one scene i'll i can say the line it doesn't really spoil much it's this movie was made like 70 years ago so that's not even that my fault if something is spoiler but it's like when he says i'll kill you and he's like you didn't really mean that when you said that did you and and ah, it like just so good deuce that guy and uh yeah th- it, watch it and this line that i just said will make sense um but yeah really really good nathan I, you've probably seen this have you seen this a while ago or is this kind of a recent watch for you um i saw it in high school for sure uh i i had a like a f- American history film class uh, mm, where he okay. watched this. And then uh, I, I saw it like, a, I think three years ago again. Cause I was like, that's, that was, I remember really liking that, but I don't remember yeah. a lot of it. Cause in high school, you can't watch a movie all at once. They break it up into two separate class periods. And yeah, yeah I, it's in my top 50. Um, yeah. This movie's just nuts. It's, it's, it's poignant commentary that was made 70 years ago. Like it's, it's mm. about, how important the American judicial system is if it works properly. Uh, and really, you know, David's already kind of explained it, but really the movie is about, it, it, it's about a, a murder trial um, and they're deliberating about whether to find the guy guilty or not guilty. And the movie starts and 11 of the 12 men on the jury want to find him guilty. Oh, and um, an important note, if he's guilty, he is killed. If he's guilty, he's going to get the death. 18 year old. He's going to be executed. Yeah. So then the so that's, one guy, that's a big point. Did we start with one guy on the jury who says, I don't even know if I believe he's not guilty, but I believe that if we're going to kill a man today, we have to talk about it. Mm. And it, cool. it just starts from there. And, and they lay out the evidence for why it's, it's about kind of 
this movie in a lot of ways is also about racism. It's clear that the defendant mm-hmm. is a minority um, and that there's prejudice among the, the all white male jury um, in, in the fifties. Shocking. Right. But um, as if we solved racism and there wouldn't be prejudice from an all white male jury today, but it, it's just, it, it's a movie that tackles social issues in a way that's so smart um, and, and not, force not white savory it's it's just so good in every aspect of explaining you know the details of the case without you seeing oral arguments presented right you mm-hmm. everything you know about the case is told to you by the other jurors but you're clear as to what's going on and i think one of the most powerful scenes to me if i'm going to spoil one thing is when they're um they're talking about the knife Mm. Um, which is a huge part. And, and it, one of the things is how could he get this knife, right? I'm going to spoil this. I'm sorry. If you haven't watched this movie, skip ahead like a minute. And um, it's a unique knife. The the shop owner never sells that. How could that knife have fallen out of his pocket? Because um, essentially they're saying this murder weapon is so unique. This switchblade knife is so unique. There's no way anybody else could have it. It's got to be this guy. That's why he has to be guilty. And the guy mm. who's the one holdout who's like, it's not sets this hole up, knows exactly where this conversation is going, waits. And he's like, so you're saying there's no way anybody else could have that knife. And then he just opens the knife and stabs it on the table. Identical mm-hmm. to the knife used to kill the guy. And, and from there, you, the seeds of doubt are sown among the group. And, and it just takes off from there. It's, be- it's a beautiful film. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's amazing. Yeah, really, really good. I, uh, and honestly, this is something I was been put, I've been putting off. I didn't have a whole lot of time. And I was like, I, I really like you. Kind of get in those moods. Like, I want to watch a movie. Like, I'm gonna watch something. And this just got added to Paramount Plus. And I've been kind of like going through Paramount Plus movies. And uh, I was like, oh, I've been putting this off for far too long. Um, we've talked about this last week a little bit. Like, in the '50s, black and white. I know this is one of the you know greats. But uh, I'll watch something else today. I'll watch Bumblebee. You know, <laughs> that was a mistake. And um, <laughs> yeah. I bit the bullet. This this movie actually on Letterbox is the eighth highest rated movie of all time. It's um, also, I believe, in the top ten in the IMDb two fifty as well. Um, is this movie in the uh, what's that AFI list? Yeah, let me check. You know what exactly what I was trying to say. I, I couldn't remember exactly what it is. Yeah, it's a, for the the American Film Institute um, has a list that's. But they only had they only had a select movies, um, or maybe is that the new list that came out? There was another one that just came out recently. Maybe the BFI. I don't remember. Um, but I'm not even sure how to find that. But yeah, man, it was there. Are a lot of powerful scenes. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I don't want to say anymore because I know it it came out so long ago. But really, just encourage you all to watch this again 90 97 minutes it's a very short movie um it won't take up that long at all and uh yeah i'm glad i watched it i gave it a perfect five stars so mm-hmm. yeah i'm looking right now at the the i think you're referring to the british film institute one that just came out i haven't seen it yet um i think i know it's in the top 100 i just don't remember where it is it's yeah, I, I, you've probably heard about this movie already. You've probably seen it. This is a movie that you get turned off by when it was made. A lot of people just don't like to watch old movies because audiences yeah. were different back then. Our attention spans are shorter than they were 60 years ago just because of the content that's been thrown in our face every day. 
Yeah. Um, 12 angry men is worth it. And you're engaged the whole time. Uh, I, I, I know David and I have the same problem of if our phone's near us, we tend to check it, you know, mm -hmm. every two or three minutes while watching a movie, which is why I try not to keep my phone near me when I'm watching something. I bet he didn't check his phone. Mm -mm. 12 angry men. So yeah. Um, all right. For me, uh, another movie that was not made in, in this century. Um, it's a little, little film called Roman holiday. Roman holiday stars Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn. It is the story of um, a princess uh, for England who is on an international kind of world peace tour um, and is stopped. Well, it's a European tour, I think, and is stopping in, in Rome uh, as part of the tour. And, you know, she's it's classic story. She's she's bottled up. She's closeted. She doesn't get to control her own schedule. She doesn't control anything about her life. And she wants to take back some of that control. So one night she sneaks out of where she's staying to just go walk around Rome. But before she did that, she took some sleeping pills. Um, so she fell asleep on a park bench. And the American reporter, Joe Bradley, played by Gregory Peck, finds her and, you know, tries to get her back to where she goes, but doesn't know who she is. So it just takes her back to her place. And then Later, he finds out she's the princess, um, and it, he, he's trying to get an exclusive interview. He essentially lobbies to get an exclusive interview, so he, he doesn't tell her who he is, and like they try to spend the whole day together, and they, of course, fall in love, is obviously what happened in this movie. Mm. It's just, it's, this movie's just wonderful. Um, I, it, one of the top reviews for it was it, it, it's a warm hug. Um, is like, it, it's like what this movie is, followed by, you know... I, I don't want to spoil the ending, but the ending is very important to the story. You can just tell that this movie inspired like thousands of others that came after it. Audrey Hepburn mm. and Gregory Peck are fantastic. One of the most attractive on-screen couples that's ever been assembled, um, but they both can freaking act. And uh, everything about this is just great. It's, it's just exactly what you need in this kind of film. It, it's slow burn, you know, it, it takes a little while to get going, but you can see them like pull their guard down. You, you start to see the conflict in Peck's character as he realizes he's, you know, he, he, he loves this girl, but he also is manipulating her and, and lying to her. Um, and Hepburn's kind of innocence at, at the beginning of the film. She doesn't understand. She's just a fish out of water. She doesn't know how to live like a normal person. Um, but she slowly gains kind of a love and respect for for Gregory Peck in this, but also just for the culture around her. I, it's just beautiful. It's shot on location. Yeah. It's two hours. It's a nice two hours. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, if you're if you're a rom com person, um, is this the OG? Person, I, 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 I there's obviously ones that have come before this. This is yeah. one of the like templates though, I would say like, mm, this is a okay. template that was followed over and over and built upon to, to eventually create what we have modern rom-coms now. Actually, it's just really good. It was just a really good way to, for me to spend the Saturday before the playoff game started, you know, just mm. a nice, easy, relaxing watch, but uh, a movie that I was engaged with. And then I really enjoyed. Um, and also like it's Audrey Hepburn and Gregory Peck, which uh, I've heard a lot about them. Um, and I've seen movies, obviously, that they're in. But anytime we get a chance to watch a movie with, like, one of the old Hollywood elites, I, I kind of jump at it, which is why I've been watching yeah. some Catherine Hepburn movies recently. Like, you, I, I just, I'm interested in, in those people and how movies got made then. So, yeah, it, I, this is just great. I, I, I would highly recommend. So That's awesome. That's cool.
It's on Paramount Plus too. So there you go. Yeah. So go to Paramount Plus if you want to have a good time. Seems like it. So I'm, you can so I'm watch. Saying, also, you know what? You know what also is on Paramount Plus? Daddy's Home. Top Gun Maverick. Oh, Top Gun Maverick is on Paramount Plus. You're Bro, I, right. I, the day it added to uh, the, the day it got added, I added it to my watch list. So I'm just I'm I'm, I'm excited to uh, to watch it again. Bro, I I got that I got that bad boy on Blu-ray. You did. Nice. Yeah. If you think that I'm not a, and within the next couple of weeks, I'm not going to fire up Top Gun Maverick with the director's commentary. You're kidding yourself. I'm absolutely doing that. It is interesting. I uh, saw someone recently just watched it for the first time because it got added to Paramount and uh, someone I follow and they gave it a four out of five. And that, that may be, you know, how they feel that may be accurate. Did you get offended? No. A little? I really am curious, like, if we could see them, like, if they watched it in theaters for the first time. Like, if that legitimately would raise their score, yeah. like, half or even a whole star. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if just watching at home, the experience just doesn't feel the same, or it's not as big of a movie, you know, as it was for us in theaters or anybody who watched it. Can we be in the in the trust tree right now? Can can I just can I just trust you with some information? Mm, uh, mm-hmm. I think about two or three times a week in the past two or three months I, i've just watched the the end w- when they get in the f-14 and then escape from the mm. fifth gen fighters on youtube Through the mountain like 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 seven times <laughs> i just keep doing it I, I i literally did it two days ago like i was just like gonna go to bed soon and i was like you know what i'm gonna fire up youtube and i'm just gonna watch this again it's and so it's good. good every time i love it every time every time Glenn Powell comes in at the end to save them is great. And he says, ladies and gentlemen, this is your savior speaking. I, it's great. Fantastic. I know. Uh, no, it's it's going to yeah. win best picture. Top Gun Maverick. Do it for the people. We're absolutely, well, I'm about to watch it. Sophie hasn't seen it in theaters. Uh, and she said she has no interest, but we're going to watch it. And I'm going to see what she says. Um, she has no interest. Yeah. Well, I think Did you get a prenup. You might want to check and see if you got a prenup. That's ridiculous. No interest well, in Top Gun Maverick. Well, I mean, she hasn't, I don't even know if she's seen the first one, but like the first one's kind of like, you know, so if no one's not, if someone's not super involved, they might be like, okay, why would I, you know, it's Top Gun, but it's Tom Cruise though. It's true. Anytime Tom Cruise has made a movie since 2014, it's appointment viewing. You're there. Yeah. Short King just keeps going. I'm going to, I'm going to abuse that. I just love saying that now. I'm just going to keep saying that anytime Tom Cruise is brought up. Yeah. He's my guy. And you know, Short I King. don't love Scientology, but you know what I do love? Actors who film on location and do their own stunts. That's what it's I love. true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're over an hour and we're now talking about Scientology, which is probably the sign that we need to wrap this bad boy up. Good boy. Uh, so I'll do that now. This has been What Do You Want to Watch? David and Nathan talking about it. Uh, got some movie recommendations and a couple movies that maybe you could avoid, uh, you know, this this week. So... Y'all have been listening to it, and we have been talking about it. See you later. Bye.